Welcome to the History Quill podcast, all about writing and publishing historical fiction, brought to you by the History Quill, the home of historical fiction writers. Hello and welcome to episode two of the History Quill podcast, brought to you by the History Quill, the home for historical fiction writers. My name is Theodore Brun, and I'm here with my co-host, Julia Kelly. Hi, Julia. How are you? I, I'm, I'm a little stressed, I'll be honest. <laughs> Are you? Why are you stressed? I think I know why you're stressed, but you tell us. I, I think you you have a good guess. Um, so I I am in the middle of writing a book right now, and I am in the dreaded middle, which I I know myself. I know my process. This happens every time. I go out of the gate really fast and really excited, and then I get to the middle point of the book about maybe thirty five thousand words in, and it's just everything slows down and it grinds. And I'm in the middle of that right now, and. I'm deploying every trick in my book to try to get myself out of that and get myself to my favorite part, which is the downhill slide to the end of the book. But it's going to be a little bit of time before I get there, I think. So that's what's that's what's going on with me. Are you having better luck right now with your writing? I feel for you. Actually, for the particular, the, the actual book I'm on, I, I literally went through that sticky patch for, mo- well, almost months. It was quite painful, I have to admit. I'm so happily, I did dig my way out of that. And I'm now at the stage of a rewrite. But yesterday I got the, the dreaded email that from my editor that says, uh, this isn't a hassling email, but when are you going to have this thing handed in? I'm like, okay, yes, <laughs> need to do some early mornings. But um, yeah, other than that, I th- things are looking pretty good. And you've got a launch coming out, haven't you? Next week, we're excited about that for you. I do. So that's also adding to the stress a little bit. So at the time of our recording, I have a book coming out um, in a few days, which is great. You know, I'm prepared. This is, you know, I've done this before. So I have a good sense of, you know, what I need to do well beforehand to get things into a good place and make my life as easy as possible. But it's a bit like the stress of you're moving house and you know you're moving house and you know you're going to have to pack and you know moving day is coming, but you can't actually do it until the day. Um, and so that's that's where I am right now. I'm in this weird holding pattern. So I, I'm both trying to dig myself out of a sticky manuscript and I'm also waiting for a book to come out, which feels like a very strange limbo. But it's it's one it's a good limbo to have, let's put it that way. So last week we had, or last month, I should say, Madeline Martin, best-selling historical fiction novelist of Second World War uh, novels. This week, who are we going to be talking to? We are speaking to Charlotte Colwell, who is a literary agent. She has uh, set up her agency relatively recently um, with a partner, and she's offering us a lot of insight into her perspective on the business, uh, which is a little unique because of her background, um, and hopefully giving people some help as they um, maybe look for their own agent. Excellent. Well, I'm sure we're going to learn a lot. And uh, without any further ado, should we get Charlotte on the line? Let's do it. Okay, well, welcome, Charlotte Colwell. Um, lovely to have you with us on the History Quill podcast. And I, I don't want to steal your thunder by sort of introducing you beyond saying you're a literary agent, uh, you've recently set up a new literary agency uh, with K Pedal called Colwell and Pedal. Aside from that, do you want to 
just sort of tell us a little bit about yourself, your background in the kind of jungle of the publishing industry and how you've got to where you are now. Yeah, sure. I'm from Twickenham, but I, yeah, I got into books. I did a master's in publishing a very long time ago. And through that, I did, um, I studied book selling, book selling in the recession specifically and how bookshops were coping. And that led to getting a job at Dawn Books. And I worked there as a bookseller for three years. And then I kind of uh, went around a few different bookshops in London and Australia. And my last bookselling gig was running the children's department and being a children's buyer at Foils in Charing Cross Road, which I loved dearly. I loved all of my bookselling jobs. And then I kind of always wanted to go into agenting as soon as I found out what it was, going back to the beginning of the process and coming at it from a more like customer focused, reader focused point of view, I felt was very useful. We often would see books come into the bookshop, which felt like they had not had a bookseller anywhere near them and that were kind of unsellable. So I think it's a really valuable perspective. And yeah, and then I set up, I I worked for Tibor Jones, who represent Wilbur Smith, um, which is how I got some of my earlier sort of historical fiction, adventure fiction clients. And uh, then I worked briefly for Joe Unwin at Joe Unwin Literary Agency, which was a great education. And then, uh, yeah, during the pandemic, I had met Kay and our tastes kind of aligned and complemented each other. She does nonfiction. I like focus on fiction and children's. So yeah, we set up on our own in September and it's gone pretty well so far. Wonderful. Well, I am so curious to hear about how your experience and especially having that customer focus to your potential clients, what are you looking for when you are are looking for potential clients or when somebody approaches you and says, you know, I'm interested in representation? Yeah. Um, well, I think like the way that that is informed by being a bookseller is that, you know, we often like most commonly would get, both this is children and adults, get people asking, you know, what is new? What have you read recently that's completely different that you've never seen before? You know, it was those kinds of questions rather than I just read X. Can you give me something very similar to X? Um, Which I think is the way publishing can operate sometimes. Something is a huge success and then they like to copy it over and over again until everyone's lost enthusiasm for it. So I think in that sense, I'm always looking for submissions that bring something brand new to the market and that I would be able to put in the hands of a reader and say, you've never read anything like this. Either the story or the setting is something completely unique. And I think that is generally, yeah, what I look for and, and how I then sell that book to publishers. And yeah, it it tends to be effective. That's really interesting because I, I sort of, I suppose there's a balance there, isn't isn't there, between the novelty and the uniqueness and like people wanting to know that they're gonna like it and have that sort of security of the of this is something at least somewhat familiar. But how I, I, I was interested to know that how your experience as a bookseller, you know, coming into agency, how that has sort of affected your perspective as an agent. Like, do you see things as a bookseller that make certain choices as an agent like this is a no-brainer that for as you just said like this just would not sell in a bookstore and i my own personal experience with that is is almost by accident writing a book that was sort of in crossing two genres and then when i actually stood in a bookshop and i was like 
is it historical fiction or is it fantasy? Hang on, this is a problem. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I wonder if you could sort of talk a little around, you know, how how that experience now influences uh, your your current current view. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you definitely do. You always would sometimes get books that you weren't sure where to shelve them, which is a practical problem for a bookseller. But I wouldn't say that should put people off necessarily writing those kinds of books because we'll we'll find somewhere to put it. And the point is, is if that's right for the story and if you're doing something interesting and like formally different. I'm trying to think there was a book that I was fighting over with, Maybe it was Miss Peregrine with the fic- the sci-fi section. And like that's kind of a good problem for a book and author to have if like different booksellers are fighting to put it on their shelves, you know, because it doesn't fit in a box, but it's really formally interesting. And that can be a selling point. So yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about that. But in terms of as a bookseller like turned agent, I think you're always thinking of the conversation that you would be having with a customer and how you would you know I guess enthusiasm is a key aspect of it you know the the way I talk about books to editors when I'm selling it to them is very similar to the way I would talk to customers it's kind of just spectrums of of selling and and just enthusiasm is as effective with customers as it is with editors yeah I'm I'm curious kind of tying all of this in and when it comes to uh looking at at clients who you may potentially represent what are you looking for in terms of the right fit between you and a client yeah what am I looking for I think certainly I'm quite a story focused agent so I I maybe not one for more kind of like literary experimental novels or you know, novels that are more kind of like atmospheric and quiet. I'm, I'm quite, I need a good plot and a good story. Like voices, I know everyone says this, but voice is very important um, because it's one of those things where like if the voice is strong enough and unique enough and either like makes me laugh or I just stays with me, then the other things matter less. You know, you I don't need a, a big twist or I don't actually need a very structured story I will just want to stay with the voice so like those things are very important but I mean especially with history the thing I love about history are those stories and especially and also those characters I think like the thing that draws me to history historical novels are usually characters either characters that are real and you're giving a different spin or characters that you have imagined and you've put them in real situations both of those are just like always such perfect setups for good novels, I think, if you can get the combination right. So, yeah, I would say that a kind of a story, an exciting new premise and a strong voice would be my most looked for elements. Does It, it sounds like the, the sort of time period, particularly thinking about historical fiction, the time period is not, you know, you have sort of sweet spots uh, down the chronological line, as it were. Is that something that you're less worried about? Or do you think, oh, I don't know, no one ever buys, I don't know what, I mean, people talk about the English Civil War, no one ever buys an English Civil War book, for example. But is it, you know, is that something that sort of factors into your thinking? And also how how sort of uh, trustworthy is like what's hot now or what's popular now with someone who's like trying to aim into a hotspot, let's say, but, you know, are they behind the curve or, you know, the time lag, I suppose, between 
where the market moves makes things tricky. So how, how do you sort of think about that from the agent's perspective? Yeah, I mean, definitely it's a very dangerous game trying to predict trends and certainly trying to write a whole novel into those trends because by the time you finished and by the time it's published, who knows? And I think, I mean, the thing with the good thing with historical fiction is that, you know, it's, it's as opposed to maybe like political fiction is that those time periods are not going anywhere and they're not changing. So you can kind of play around with them. And I mean, there are certain time periods that I think are underwritten and that can you can make an asset of that, like the English Civil War. I mean, I I don't I think it's not that people aren't interested in it. They maybe just don't know a lot about it. It's not really taught. But if you can find a way in, I mean, it's it's full of some of the most fascinating human stories that we've ever had in this country. So if you can find a way in, you know, you can create a space in the market for it. I kind of like to think like just because no one has cracked it yet doesn't mean that you can't be the one to crack it. And once you are, you're the first one, you know, you can start a trend as well as following it. And in fact, it's better to start a trend <laughs> than follow it, I think. And then, you know, it's, there's a sort of accepted wisdom that some time periods are overwritten, for example, the Second World War. But at the same time, I think, again, there are still so many fascinating stories within that time period imagined. And, you know, there's so many things you could do with it. You know, I know it's not a book, but, you know, I kind of loved in oh, the Quentin Tarantino film that I've now forgotten the name of that was in the Second World War, where he just like kills Hitler. Being glorious bastards. Yes. Thank you, yeah. glorious bastards. Where he just kills Hitler, because why not? It's fiction, you know, let's just have that kind of end that way. There's so many different things you can still do with it. And so I think, you know, when I say I want to see something unique, there's different ways of being unique. It doesn't have to be a unique setting. It can be a unique take or it can be a unique character or a unique way of writing into that space. I guess the key thing would be that you're very passionate about that time period um, that you've done your research and that you've got a good story to tell. And I love historical fiction that makes some things that may seem kind of dry and academic really accessible and exciting. Like, you know, Q by Luther Blissett is all about, you know, the Reformation and kind of this, this can like goes through a lot of the sex from the Reformation, which sex that is S E C T. And I think that that's very, you know, that could have been very dry, but it's not. It's absolutely thrilling. So, yeah, I think that that kind of challenge really will excite me if someone's taken that on. When it comes to working with a client who says, I have this great idea, it's different, it's unique, and I think we can find a place for it in the market, and you agree, how much do you, how much time do you then spend working editorially on that? idea or on that manuscript if it's a full manuscript are you kind of getting in the weeds or is it more sort of big picture i'm really here to sort of guide you through the process and find you the right publisher who's then going to work you know an editor will work with you then what's what's your style when it comes to that type of uh stage of of the publishing process yeah i think i am quite editorially led because we are smaller you know we're a smaller agency we don't have a huge amount of clients, we prefer to, you know, take on fewer clients and then work really closely with them. So some of the things that we take on might be slightly less polished than 
what some of the bigger agents would take on. And that's just a case of that they don't have the time um, that we have or that we want to dedicate at this point in our careers. So sometimes I can spend a long time um, if I kind of see something there in terms of the writing, in terms of like a shared vision or an idea, then I will take the time. And also because I, you know, I, I want to take on clients who will write lots of books for me. You know, it's the beginning of their career and I understand that. So, you know, sometimes as well, it might not be the first book that we work together on that gets picked up by a publisher. It might be the second, it might be the third, but I'm kind of, if they are, I'm here for the long term. And in terms of, I mean, it's both big picture stuff and more granular edits. I think in publishing nowadays, you know, editors are so busy. If I think I'm busy, I mean, I talk to some of my editor friends and it's crazy, their workload. So the reality is you need to be bringing them a very polished product and they still will want to work on it and put their stamp on it to some extent but you do need to be and it's such a competitive marketplace for so so for both of those reasons i would expect to be doing like two three four passes at a manuscript with a writer before sending it out because it gives them the best chance of getting picked up and the it, it working within the reality of what an editor's workload is as well so do you see it sounds like you see the agent role as a sort of you know, you're kind of in partnership with with your authors to help them develop their career and uh, sort of, yeah, kind of grow with them or help them show them paths to grow uh, from where they are currently. I, I had a I had a question which was sort of if you were an author, you thought you had a, you had a manuscript, you're 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 looking to break into the the game as it were, and you're sort of looking for an agent. Do you have a view about? Whether you're trying to, it's what are the pros and cons of finding an agent that will effectively make you a little fish in a big pond? It's like a big brand name agency, or what you've done, I guess, get some experience there, but set up your own little sort of smaller startup agency. And what are the advantages of maybe coming in with with a smaller outfit that you can then grow with as a as an author? You know, what do you have? A, what's your view on that? I think it's more about, I mean, you know, authors will take a view and if they get offers from multiple agencies, there will be pros and cons. You know, the, if you go with the big the big guys, they, they'll have pros, you know, they have in-house rights teams and, you know, various things and there will be cons as well. Like they will have less time maybe to give you. They have a lot of clients. So, and then, yeah, with us, I think yeah, you, you'll get more of our attention and uh, the setup might be different in terms of how we sell your rights. Although I should say that in terms of right sales, you won't ever suffer financially because the, if we work with co-agents, for example, the cut comes from our cut, never from your cut. So the financial arrangement should be pretty uniform across the board. And I think it's more important if I was an author, which I am not, but it would be more about having that like, right being the right person so someone that really understands your writing your vision is enthusiastic because you know you have to work so closely on the book um together and you have to really believe in that person's advice um you have to share the same tastes i think those kinds of things in order for building a long-lasting relationship because you know small agencies will grow as well so you'll probably find yourself working in a medium or large agency eventually but it's more about being able to have that relationship with an agent and you know I, 
it does happen. Like authors do leave agents, go other places, but it's actually quite rare. And I think if you can get it right, it's it's much better for everyone if you can have that long productive relationship with your agent. I love all this conversation about sort of longevity and the whole career as opposed to just sort of one moment in somebody's career. I'm curious, we've talked a lot about the beginning stages of an author's career when they're first working with you, but I'm curious about sort of an author who maybe has either been traditionally published or independently published, and they're they're looking at sort of making a next step and what you as an agent can kind of say to them about how working with an agent and, and focusing on that long-term career can kind of help them move up in their publishing journey, whatever that looks like for them. Yeah, I mean, and that is kind of a, a, a time at which people might change agents or just like their agent may have retired, they find themselves needing a new agent, like those kinds of things can be quite a good reset. I do have a couple of writers um, who are more experienced, have been published before. And it's a, it's a kind of a bit of a reset because I won't have the same views as necessarily as their old agent, but also their career might just naturally be at a point where it needs a bit of a refresh, where it needs a bit of, you know, and it's just about strategizing, I guess, with that author and taking the strengths that they had, the things that they're known for, the things that have they've been successful at and adapting it to the new marketplace and I think a new agent who maybe you know it, it tends to be if you're a new agent you are more familiar with some of the newer editors for example rather than having those older established relationships with older editors so it's I think it can be like a fresh pair of eyes in so many ways and yeah it can really like revive your career it, it can make you know it's obviously a bit more complicated because you're dealing with someone at a different stage of their career and they have already been through these experiences. But I guess as long as everyone is open-minded and understanding, then I think, so in my experience, those relationships can be really productive. I noticed on your website that you, both you and Kay, uh, expressed that transparency of the industry, particularly for new authors who are kind of coming in and approaching this kind of the behemoth, or the, the, it's probably the wrong metaphor, the, the forest of this world, how they make sense of that and say transparency is something that you you think is important and wish to promote how why do you think it's important and how do you guys set about promoting it yeah i mean i think it's about it's just about finding the best writers and making those connections so that you know for too long and and you know, obviously reams have now been written on like the lack of diversity in publishing but from our point of view, the first step for that is that making sure that the people that want to write that aren't necessarily from the same backgrounds and savvy about the process do actually get access if they want it. And a lot of writers don't even know what literary agents are. And now that they're almost completely vital for getting traditionally published, that just needs to change and actually we've made that important to us and we wanted to get that message out but the association of authors agents to be fair to them have been doing a lot of work behind the scenes and some of that's kind of starting to happen this year in terms of you know opening up access and letting people know about literary agents and letting more people know about how to access them how to submit to them so hopefully those things will start to change throughout the industry as well 
makes a lot of sense with what you've talked about, kind of looking for um, things that are not necessarily like every book that's come before it, you know, ten- publishing's tendency to say it's the next X, you know, look for something different and something unique. Are, are there sort of some barriers that you look to help authors through? Um, just a couple of examples I can think of, uh, you know, people who've never really been in the industry before, don't know anybody in the industry being asked for things like, you know, a marketing plan or, uh, you know, social media platforms to be well established before they're really going out to market with publishing. Is that is that an area that you've had to address with clients and, and with potential editors? I mean, it's definitely the kind of thing that some is important to some publishers and editors. And I can like see why, you know, it's tough for books and it's tough. There's a lot, there's so much out there. So I can understand why they would want a platform, but I, I'm not the agent that like cares about those things primarily, um, mainly because of my own inability to use those platforms. Um, so I think for me, I don't really think about it to be honest, when people are coming to me, I'm not going to be, you know, if you're, if you came to writing through having a huge Instagram following or a TikTok following, which I have no shade to you, I'm probably not the agent for you because I don't really know how that works. <laughs> and there are agents that know very well how that works and can really maximize that, you know, like for you. But for me, I've got most of my, some of my clients don't have any social media whatsoever. And that might be a little bit of a handicap sometimes for us when we go out to market, but then that's fine. We'll find that we'll find the editors for whom that's less important, and we'll find the publishers who want to work with you in other ways to build your brand. So yes, I know I'm a bit like social media phobic, and but don't take my word for it. Some you know some people are able to use it really well and effectively to reach readers, and yeah. I think, and there's certain areas that it's more important than others. So I know like from my colleagues' experience that things like cookery and lifestyle, it's extremely important and hard to do those things without those platforms now. But I think that with fiction and children's, hopefully it's the stories speaking for themselves. And that's kind of what I will continue to sort of push. Yeah, I don't know whether it's my experience, but I feel like, I guess because of the sheer number of people in the market and, and also the the whole sort of other domain, as it were, of self-publishing, where you're not going the agent route, you're not going the through the publisher, um, that being an author is not just about writing books. Suddenly, or well, this was my experience anyway, you get sort of you get through the gate and you go, Woohoo, here I am on the field of play, as it were. And then you realize, hang on, I've got to be like, I've got to understand how to make a website. I've got to be a marketeer. Now I've got to build a social platform. I've got to know how to sell books, you know, notwithstanding your, you know, you said you're not that interested in that side, but from the author's side, it feels like if you don't do that, no one else is going to do it for you kind of thing. So, so my question was, you know, if you were a new author or, or like an aspiring author, you've got a manuscript more or less ready is it ever too soon to start educating yourself about this other aspect of the profession as it were? No, I didn't think so. I mean, I think if it's something that you will enjoy, then you should definitely do it and it will definitely help you. I don't think that you should necessarily, if you hate it, spend 
hours of your time trying to get to grips with it because as well if you hate it it kind of is obvious and the that kind of engagement won't really work for you so I think if it's something that you're slightly interested in or you think you might enjoy and it can be just a really good way to connect with other writers I know that a lot of my authors don't just use it for publicity but also just to kind of be out there swimming in the pool with other writers so it can have those benefits and in terms of like writers being that they need to do it I think my where I come at it from is making sure that they have that the the yeah the publishers I'm selling their work to have a really great marketing and publicity team and that they're going to get behind us and if they expect us to do things that they're going to help us with that that they're going to you know give us social media training or they're going to you know support them in ways I think that can be that from my point of view is is the way is ma- I mean, it's part of all everything you do as an agent is making sure your author is as supported as possible by their publisher. And that is part of it for me as well. So that's kind of where I would put my focus. So I apologize for doing this to you because I'm sure you're asked this all the time. But could you tell us a little bit about what's on your wish list, what you'd love to see land in your submissions box? Um. Oh, what would I love to see land in my submissions box? I think, yeah, in terms of in terms of historical fiction is probably the most appropriate place to start yeah I I mean any kind of fresh sort of perspectives um like very commercial I think well either very commercial of the Bernard Cornwall type that just is you get completely lost in it and that yeah you get told a familiar story in a different way I think you know there's there's I'm looking for sort of new ways to tackle kind of popular themes. So at the moment, obviously, there's lots of Greek myth retellings, but I'm sure, like, I just feel like there must be myths from all over the world that are just as interesting that we're not hearing about. I'd love to find something like that. I mean, I'm a medievalist. I'm a massive War of the Roses fan. I can never get enough of any of that. And yeah, and then I kind of, I also wonder if we can go even further back, you know, there's so much interesting stuff about sort of pre-Roman, um, pre-Anglo-Saxon, you know, stuff like that, that could be, and it could be really interesting formally as well, because we don't necessarily know how those people spoke to each other and interacted. So yeah, something brand new, basically, as brand new as you can be in the space of historical fiction, I suppose, if that makes any sense at all. That's quite a lot of scope there, I would say. (laughs) 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 Well, I mean, thank you so much for your time. I wonder, you know, do you want to just say how people can find you online and what's next for the agency, I guess, if if, if that's an appropriate question? Yeah. So, well, we have a website and that's, we're going to try and, we try and post kind of like blog posts about the industry and things if they're helpful and, uh, how to like make your submissions stand out and things like that. And that's colwellandpedal.com. Um, we have got an agency Instagram and Twitter, but it will come as no surprise that I don't really do those. Um, but we've got like, that's where we shop about our authors and can try and give a sense of our taste and things like that. And then my submissions email is submissions at Colwell and Pedal. Um, at the moment, my submissions are closed because I'm, I'm slightly overwhelmed but I should be opening them again in spring. So like probably end of April and we'll announce that on all of our socials and on the website itself as well. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Well, that was fantastic. I really enjoyed hearing Charlotte talking about the the kind of insights into the industry. Some of it I expected and some of it I really didn't. So I'm looking forward to dissecting it with you, Julia, in just a moment. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, a great a great conversation to kind of digest and think about for a long time for, for everybody listening. But in the meantime, uh, before we do that, I wanted to remind you to visit thehistoryquill.com slash two, where you can access a range of resources related to this episode. You can also join our email list to receive new podcast episodes and more content for history fiction writers. You will find the link in the description or you can enter it into your browser. That's right. And you'll be able to find all the tools you need to help put what you've just heard and hopefully maybe you're going to hear into action. Okay, so where should we start? There's so much to talk about. And I, I'm so glad that she talked about things like you know transparency and longevity of careers and her experience as a bookseller. What, what do you want to jump in with first? I, I think maybe just talking about her unique perspective. Yeah, I think... I think the question for me is often the balance between, you know, the pure storyteller view of like, it's all about the story. It's this great original idea with no thought about, is this going to sell in your mind at all uh, whatsoever versus like, "Mm, I just want to feed the beast, the commercial beast. And, you know, I'm going to be able to sell it A to an agent, B to a publisher, and then C to all the, all the lovely readers out there. And she seemed to kind of marry those two approaches. She she started off talking about the commercial aspect and like whether you can sell within an actual bookstore, but actually she was kind of driven by, is this basically a good story that engages me and kind of capture, captivates me? Yeah, I, I it made me think of uh, a time where I was talking to a friend. I was still working a day job and writing at the same time. And I was talking to a friend from work and she said, well, you know, doesn't doesn't have to think about the business side of it stifle all your creativity and i and i just kind of it made me stop and think you know no because the perfect scenario for me and every writer is different but the perfect scenario for me is finding something that i really love i feel really passionately about um, that feels very you know new and very fresh but also has that you know commercial um, marketability because my my end goal is to see my my book published and again you know everybody's everybody's going to be different, right? Everybody's coming into this, this process with different goals. And, you know, some people want to write a book for the sake of writing a book, but some people do want to see it, you know, in bookstores. And if that's what you're trying to do, finding an agent that has a similar vision to you, I think is really important in terms of getting the right fit and making sure that you're both coming at the process from the same direction. Yeah, I think that's right. And also like generally one, one gets more than hopefully one idea so there is that, well, I think we talked about it last last time, was that idea of how do you evaluate several ideas to decide which is worth pouring your time and investment. I mean, it takes a lot of sort of blood, sweat and tears to write a novel. So you want to know that there are going to be readers out there. And it's kind of, it is deflating. You know, there's no two two ways about it. If like you've, you've, you've written something that you think is great and, and the numbers are not there that you wish that were there. So, so why not aim at something that, that kind of marries both? Uh, what I liked, uh, just sort of moving on to a different po- point that she made, was I've often, well, at the stage where, where looking a, a few years ago, I was at that point where you're, you've got a manuscript and you're trying to get in. There were some voices out there that like, to your point, if you haven't got the social platform, if you haven't got the numbers already, if you don't know what, how to market this book, then we're not interested. Nice. That can be a little bit intimidating. So I thought it was quite nice that uh, 
she obviously personally wasn't that interested in platform building as it were um but she also said that that wasn't a necessity for the, the authors that she was prepared to look at so i thought that was kind of a a point of encouragement for for anyone out, out there who, who's aspiring to get into the industry yeah and i think the idea of using those platforms in positive ways when you haven't been published yet to learn to grow to connect with other writers and sort of sometimes sometimes learning from your fellow authors is one of the best ways to understand what's going to work for you in terms of that platform building side of it. And that can kind of be coming along organically while you're doing what I think is the most important work, which is writing a really great book that then can turn into a really great book that hopefully sells um, with the right agent, with the right editor. Um, so kind of bringing those two things together. It's it's a long, long journey, I think, for a lot of us. And it's a whole career that you're looking at, not just one snapshot in time. And I, I really liked her focus on you know, looking at how you would build a career with her uh, and with her agency over, you know, over the course of your career rather than just, you know, a year or a project or, um, you know, a, a trilogy of books, for instance, um, that this is really a, a long-term thing uh, that she looks at. Yeah. And it's, it's quite, it was quite reassuring. I felt when sh she, she obviously sort of puts a lot of her own thought into the manuscript so so if you if you get to a point where you'd be taken on by her she was going to give you a lot of help in terms of actually really polishing this book will bring it to the best place that it could could be in what else did she she talk about she was talking about transparency wasn't she and like trying to reach new readers i think that's that's definitely uh, again it's that you know i remember my my route in and it, and it uh, was kind of through a friend who was an, already an author. And I remember she said, at the stage you're at, what you need is a manuscript and contacts. And of course, you know, to have contacts is itself a sort of relatively exclusive thing. You know, I knew her, so that was helpful. She could share her contacts with me. But often people are just starting way, way back, even from that position. And and it's nice to know that there is, that the, the industry is kind of reaching out as well as um, you trying to wrestle your way in. Yeah, I think so. I, I had the experience of not knowing anybody in publishing, having this book and kind of not really knowing what to do about it. And this was in the days when they used to publish, they probably still do publish the big compendiums of like every agent who is openly looking for queries that year um, in the United States. I think it's called the Writer's Digest Guide to Literary Agents. And I went through and I flagged everybody for my relevant genre and my family will laugh at this, but I power ranked all of the agents. And I basically went through and cold emailed people. And it's a long process. And, it, you know, learning to do even that required a lot of sort of reading and education and all of those things. So once you're connected with an agent, and once you have somebody to help guide you through some of that, publishing is is one of those funny businesses where, you know, I've, I've done a number of books here, and there's still new stuff that comes up. And I still turn to my agent sometimes and I say, I've never heard of this before. Like, what is what is this term or what are we doing? What's this approach we're taking? So having somebody there to help demystify it for you is really key, but also making sure that, that you know, editors and agents are reaching out externally to make sure that, you know, they're opening up pathways for people, I think is, is vital as well, especially with all the conversation that's been happening um, and hopefully efforts as well to increase diversity in publishing across a whole number of, of areas. Yeah, sure. 
I was wondering as as you were talking, like what your experience was in getting an agent. Like, was it hard? Was it that sort of scattergun approach and and quite a hard graph to get one, or how did it work for you? So I still have the file folder of all my rejections, and I should go through one day and count all of my rejections because what I did was I again I power ranked people, and my my agent was uh, was in my top three, so that was that was good. I was working on the the right path. Uh, little did I know, but I basically went through and I sent out I prepared and sent out five queries to sort of the people who I thought, I think these are the best fit for me in terms of, you know, what they're talking about, the type of, I I was looking for people who were looking at long-term careers. That's always been really important to me because it took about 10 years for it to happen, but I wanted to quit my day job and and write full-time. That was my goal. And so I wanted to make sure I was reaching out to people who I thought would be taking that into consideration. So I sent out the first five queries, quickly got rejections from a few people. And just basically every time I get a rejection, I'd send out a new batch of queries. If there were any revise and repeat requests, uh, I kind of filed those away. Most of them for me, though, were, were just straight rejections. <laughs> um, but the ones who did say yes, uh, fortunately, were my were my top two, uh, one of whom, again, is my agent now. And it was, you know, in the days where everything was done on physical paper. Uh, so I had to, you know, package up my little um, query bundle with my first hundred pages that she had requested, send that off to her, and then she requested the full manuscript. And so it was a bit of a process to get there. But it was one that, you know, I, again, I'm sure if I look at some of those, some of the query versus the agent I was querying, I'd see, oh, okay, you know, this, if it was a very swift rejection, like they either really aren't representing that anymore, or, you know, they've got that on their list and they're looking for other things. So I tried to think of it as not personal as much as possible. And some days that was easier than others. But again, you know, I'm a big proponent of if you're looking for an agent, finding the right fit is so important. So it's not necessarily about getting an agent. It's about getting the right agent for you because ultimately you're hiring them and you're paying them ultimately when when you do sell a publishing contract. And I think that's I think that's important to remember. Yeah. Did you have to, in that process, did you have to do some rewriting of the manuscript itself, that first manuscript, or, or was in that first sort of tranche, you got a, you got a yes? I got a yes. I was lucky. Um, now, that book never sold. So the subsequent process of trying to get the book sold, it did go through rewrites and it did go through, you know, maybe if I focus on this aspect of it, it will be the right fit for an editor. And I just got rejection after rejection. So I, I always tell that story to people who ask about sort of, I'm really serious about about trying to get published. What should I know? And it took me four or five years, I think, to actually go from being agented to being published. And then from then, it was a, a different story in my career sort of went in different directions, but it definitely took time and, um, and it took some rewriting and it took some frustration. But I think my, my big thing is always keep, you know, keeping the faith and just trusting that this is something that you want to, you want to do. Did you have a, you said you had a a contact and a friend? Yeah, it sounded, well, it sounds like the, yeah, that, that was a sort of starting point, even for the idea. And actually, weirdly, I had a kind of, I had a con, a very good contact, a New York agent, before I'd even really put the idea down on paper, so so I sent him. I think it was a, it was a very lengthy, like overly lengthy synopsis, which he then made positive noises. There was no commitment there, but he 
he was like, well, you know, this sounds like it's going to be good. And that was enough sort of encouragement for me to go, all right, you know, writing fiction, what does that look like? And then start writing this enormous book. But he, but then at the sort of other end of the writing process, like having something ready, I suppose, there was definitely a kind of progression towards a yes. And, you know, I'd get some cold nose. I definitely had a conscious thought that you don't want to kind of burn all your bridges at once. If it's not good enough, you don't want to have sent found every agent in the market that you can think of and sent out that query or whatever because then you they're not going to look at it again so it was like you pushing it out in tranches and the first i think i got some sort of interest but interest in the idea but not and then they'd see the see the first few chapters and go "Mm, less interested now um so (laughs) i'd take that i was like right okay i've got to work on the, the beginning so there was there was quite a lot of push and pull but actually what was nice was the, the agents, people were basically very kind. I mean, yeah, fine, you got some flat-out rejections. But those that were sort of intrigued by the idea would, would give you, you know, more than just one shot. And there were a couple that gave me two or three and then said no. And and then ultimately, what I realized I had to do was sort of go away and, and seriously rewrite this manuscript. But one of the ones who was kind of had me on the simmer, as it were, once I'd done that, gone back, given it to him. He was like, I mean, it literally was overnight, I think. He sort of got back to me and said, quick, yes, you know, I want you. So I think there's a, it was a real experience of like, these are the gatekeepers of the industry. Just my own personal experience. When I got, my own work was of a standard. It got let through into the next stage, as it were. So that was quite an interesting lesson for me, I think. And I'd say to our listeners, I guess, just a lot of it is about perseverance from you. I think people are looking for that next big thing. So there's a lot of sort of favor. There's a kind of favorable attitude on the receiving end. They want to. They want you to be the next great thing or next big discovery. So, you know, be encouraged by that. But, but at the same time, don't be discouraged by the fact that you don't get it first time or you have to, you know, it's quite a journey to get to the point that someone's actually going to say yes. Well, I think that's uh, that's given us a lot to think about and hopefully um, some good insight for everybody who has listened. Absolutely. I think the message is be encouraged and, and uh, keep going, keep trying. Um, so thanks again to our guest, Charlotte Colwell, for that brilliant conversation. And that concludes this episode of the History Quill podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show and want to find out more about the topics discussed, head over to thehistoryquill.com slash two to gain access to a range of resources relating to this episode. You can also join our email list to receive new podcast episodes and more content for historical fiction writers. The link is in the description, or you can enter it into your browser. And of course, wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave a comment or review. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Mm -hmm.